Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how you doing? I'm great, man. How are you? Good, good. Let's get rolling. Lots of good stuff this week. Um, as usual, a lot of quarterback talk. Let's start with Tom Brady. I mean, comes back from suspension, is thrown for almost 800 yards. Six touchdowns, no interceptions. Looks like the old Tom Brady. I mean, looks like 30-year-old Tom Brady. I mean, should we be surprised? And when's this? When's it going to slow down for this guy? Yeah, he's remarkable. I mean, he's obviously an all-time great playing phenomenal it's only been two games but got to kind of ease into things against the browns um played great in that one too and then was phenomenal this past week and uh, i think they're the best team in the the a i think they're the best team in the afc by a massive margin now especially considering a roethlisberger injury situation i don't even know who's number two depending on the steelers quarterback situation um it looks like an easy path i know it's only what late october but it looks like an easy path to the super bowl for the the patriots and, you know, this double tight end set that they throw out you with two 270-pound badasses, I mean, is really hard to deal with. And the key, obviously, as it always is with this offense, is how healthy is Gronk, and Gronk is healthy and looks phenomenal. Right. What could stop New England? Is it just Brady getting hurt? No, Gronk. I mean, I do think Gronk is that important as well, that um, – they did fine without him. They did fine without Brady. They did real well, actually. <laughs> but right, uh, right. they have a very good defense. Obviously, they're extremely well coached. It, it would take a lot, in my opinion, for them to get derailed. And even, I mean, and obviously, catastrophic things could happen as they could to any team. But, I mean, really, the only team that I think is a competitor for them is Pittsburgh. And, you know, they just had a terrible loss. I mean, maybe Ben comes back couple weeks from now and they start to catch fire when it matters most and they derail the Patriots but chances are and again we're you know we're looking into things a lot but I would think any playoff game that New England plays will probably be at home they rarely rarely lose in that building they're really set up well yeah I mean it's kind of boring isn't it because if Pittsburgh is to if Pittsburgh is number two they're going to have to beat New England in January in New England I mean and, and they, they do that. Week. I mean, so, it, I mean, even be... the tiebreaker probably is going to go to the Patriots. I mean, Landry Jones starting for the Steelers. Right. You know, and again, anything can happen. I mean, I didn't see the Steelers losing in Miami either. So, I mean, anything could happen, of course, it's the NFL. But, I mean, I don't think I'm going out on a very weak limb to say the Patriots are sitting really pretty. And if you're going to trust any organization not to screw it up, they're the one. Now, the Broncos have been interesting. I know me and you weren't very high on them going into the season. And then they go 4-0 and they look good. And they're like, hey, you know, the Broncos aren't going nowhere. The Broncos are still the Broncos. And then they've had a couple losses. And I, I saw a tweet from you last week. I think it was during the San Diego game. Are, are you off of the Broncos? In a way, yes. You know, I, I think... Every step of the way, I've always said, and I said it last year, like, I'm sorry, Broncos fans, but I don't think the Broncos were the best team in the league last year. But they won the Super Bowl, and they played really well when it mattered most, and they got some breaks, and that's great. But I just think, you know, winning really low-scoring close games every week is a really difficult formula to replicate. I think the defense is really, really good, but maybe only 90 or 95 percent of where it was last year and you know Atlanta really exploited the middle of the field 
um, with their running backs in the passing game. So if they have to deal with a Le'Veon Bell or Gronkowski or Bennett or somebody like that, I think will give them a lot of problems. And my big concern is I don't think Trevor Simeon's good enough. I mean, I really don't. I, I think he's a liability. I think he's a placeholder for Lynch, and Lynch isn't ready yet, but it wouldn't shock me if a month from now we're talking about putting him back in. And as well as Atlanta's playing, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any reason to hang your head or sulk that you know, Atlanta came into Denver and beat you. And really, you know, that Thursday night game, which seems like a million years ago now, they were without their head coach, you know, who was hospitalized and at home, on a short week in, on Thursday night, and lost to a really good Chargers team. I mean, their 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 record doesn't show it, but San Diego can play with anyone. So I'm not kicking dirt on Denver's grave, but man, I think they're a big step behind the the Patriots. And I'm not even sure who the best team is in the West right now. Yeah, I mean, Denver's going to lose that San Diego game. Had they even if they beat Atlanta, that was just a perfect setup for a loss. You know, yeah. again, no quarterback. I mean, the quarterback's coming off an injury. No coach, head coach, who is a quarterback coach, and the young quarterback missed him on the field. It's on the road. It's three days rest. I mean, that was a setup loss, no doubt. Um, yeah, we'll like see. I mean, the Broncos, the um, yeah, it's, it's anyway. a three-team race in the AFC West for sure, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. But it, it, it's too bad that Patriots are so much, far, so much better than everybody else in that conference because it just – you know, we want more excitement. Just who's going to win in the division? Wants okay, Denver or Kansas City's going to win that division, or Denver and Oakland's going to win that division. And man, they could those either one of those three teams could really make a run at the Patriots, but it's probably not true. Probably not. And I do think the AFC West is still the best division in the league, and probably will be the best race. But I, I just kind of look at it and think. Boy, they're all still so far behind New England. Right. And, you know, talk about the Chargers. I mean, they're 2-4. and four. I think they've outscored their opponents by 17 or 18 points mm-hmm. combined at a 2-4 and four record. They're going to be a pain in the neck for those other three teams in the division. I mean, they're going to be a, a difficult game every week for those other teams. They absolutely are. And, bec- you know, I'm not picking them to win the division or anything, but I could make the case that they're the best football team in that division, you know, that they're the team that I would want to play least if I was a common opponent. And I could probably could make that argument for all four teams, but they're the best quarterback in the division. Rivers is playing amazing. The defense is vastly improved. I mean, they still are a pain in the butt to play against, like you said, even without Jason Verrett and Keenan Allen. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, and I know people get on their head coach a lot, but – I think they're a well-coached team, especially at the coordinator levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, McCoy's just not helping himself with the way he, you know, putting his head down on the field and, you know, kind of whining. He's just not helping himself. Um, but it, it, it's a tough situation. I've, you know, I've covered the Chargers for a long time, and this story has been happening. They've been really hurt, and they've blown a lot of games Every year for about the last eight years, but this year they're just making it an art form. So it, it, it's too bad because they are a talented team. They absolutely are, and they were very much my team of uh, the off season. That I thought would would be the biggest bust to boom type of team, most improved team in the league. And in a lot of ways, it proved me right, but it doesn't really reflect in the record. 
You know, I, I cover the Raiders a lot, so let's stay in the AFC West for a little bit. The Raiders are 4-2, and two, and I think they take that going into this season. And there's a lot of expectations, and they're certainly on pace to, to make the playoffs. It could be a wild-card team if they don't win a division. I can see them winning 10 games. But their defense is awful. This, their defense is allowing 6.9 yards a play, and it is on pace to be the worst n- number, the highest number since the merger. I mean, can you make the playoffs with that type of defense? And, and where's Khalil Mack, by the way? Yeah, and you're obviously much closer to that organization than I am. And I keep thinking that, you know, I, I looked at their defense and thought, okay, it was. They went to New Orleans in week one, and that's a brutal matchup, and every defense that's going to walk into New Orleans is going to get torched, and they have all these new pieces. It's just going to take a little time for them to gel. And then that sort of happened, you know, and and I kept looking at it optimistically, like, it's getting a little better. You know, Sean Smith's not getting burned all the time. and um, That's cool. Yeah, and then now it's like, but now, okay, they've really plateaued at a below-average level. And they should be better than that. I mean, just looking at them on paper, I don't love their linebackers, but the rest of the team, the rest of the defense is pretty darn good that they should be better than that with a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah, I, I just don't. And, and, again, Mac, you know, Mac was the, the the flavor of the month. I saw so many people say, he's my pick to win a defensive player of the year. He has two sacks, and I know sacks isn't everything, but when you're a defensive end, I know – a couple weeks ago, Del Rio said, hey, you know, he's kind of like Aaron Donald. He's, his stats aren't showing, but he really affects the, the game. You can't say that about a defensive end. If he's affecting the game, he's going to have to have some numbers. I think there's a lot of truth to both those things. You know, that, But if you just watch the tape, he's not affecting the game like he was last year. I mean, last year yeah. he was an elite football player, did put up numbers, and affected the game even more than his numbers implied. And now, there's times where you don't notice him out there, or you know he's not dominating, um, and the numbers aren't there. And you're right. You know, I mean, it's not like you know, a defensive tackle doesn't have to put up numbers. Aaron Donald does, but I mean, if right. you're a big spacey, like Namakong Su doesn't put up a lot of numbers, but he's still doing his right. job. He's doubled and tripled all the time. Right. Um, but you're right. I mean, Mac needs to put up numbers. He, and I, he actually was my pick for defensive player of the year. And, and you know, I, I, just because J.J. was banged up, and um, he's nowhere in the running now. You know, and that's you know, that's high expectations. You know, we're, we're comparing him to the best defensive players in the league, but that's what he looked like. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just uh, it's time. He's by far their best. I think he's better. He's their best player on the team. Carr's great. Max is, is more talented at his spot, I think. But he's yeah. going to have to start making some plays to help that defense out, or, or it doesn't matter how good the offense is. One last one. I want to ask you about one player that I've been meaning to for weeks now. Is I think the loss of Mario Edwards was bigger than people realize too. That he's a quality interior versatile guy. He's a tip. He's one of those guys that we just talked about. Doesn't have the huge numbers, but he really affects the run game. And uh, they have missed him. I, I don't know. I'm not going to go as far as saying that he was the missing link, that he's going to make it all better, that they're going to go from allowing almost seven yards of play to being good. But, yeah, he'll he'll certainly give them a boost when he's back, and he should be back three to four weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he he will help. He is a a, a stud player. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But, um, you know, 
not super dynamic, but that's okay. Maybe maybe he when he gets back, that takes pressure off of Mac, and Mac can make some plays. Yeah, and you look at like that Seattle Del Rio type defense. They always have a big defensive end. You know, the two hundred ninety, three hundred pound Red Bryant type of guy mm-hmm. that's almost like a five technique, like a three four defensive end. And I think he's perfect for that. I think he's a more athletic version than the ones that we've seen in Seattle. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So Raider fans, there's some hope coming. Um, let's go to uh, Dallas. We seem to go to Dallas every week, and because this dang Dak Romo thing is so, it gets so more so much more compelling every week. And you know what's going to happen? It seems like Dallas's brass, which is when I mean Dallas's brass, I mean Jerry Jones, of course. Every week, oh, Tony's my guy, Tony's my t- guy, Tony's my guy, and now it's like, well, let's see. It, it, can you pull Dak Prescott? That's the, let's take Tony Romo out of the equation. Can you pull Dak Prescott after what he's done? And I've been like Jerry Jones. At every step of the way, I've said, this is an easy decision. Tony Romo's a top-10 NFL quarterback. He can benefit just like Prescott is from a great running game and a great line and He's going to do even more. You know, he's going, to, he's going to be better at the line of scrimmage. He's going to be better pre-snap, a better passer of the football. And I still believe that, but you're right. I mean, every week they go in, they go into Green Bay and beat up the Packers. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was everyone's talking about how it's the um, the movable object against the irresistible force of you know what's the, the the great Packers run defense against the Cowboys run offense, and it wasn't even close. I mean, the Dallas run defense. Abuse them, and which makes me think they're going to abuse everybody. And so then the theory is, do you rock a boat? You know, I mean, yeah, Tony might be the better football player right now, and might bring more to the table, but why change anything? <laughs> you know, I mean, you're the best team in your division. You're rolling along. I think I would handle it like this: that, hey, Tony, you know, let's not rush you back. You know. Yeah, you could probably play, but let's give it another week just to be sure, you know. And then when you're 100% sure, I probably still put him in. But obviously, it's a great problem to have. And who's to say if Romo would stay healthy if he would go in anyways? And you can always bench him, and you know. But uh, it is interesting to see how it's going to play out. And I don't really think there's a wrong answer anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but what if? I mean, there could be a wrong answer. Tony goes in and, and, and they lose a couple of games. So I think the less pressure is the easiest route is just let Prescott go until he starts screwing up or they start losing, and then you put Romo in. And if they, he doesn't start screwing up and if they don't stop losing, start losing, just keep him going. Because, uh, again, why rock the boat? Why mess with this kid's progress? You know, I mean, he's doing so well and he's making such strides and he looks so comfortable. Why take that away from him? And and then there's there is a chance that you know Romo hasn't lasted a whole lot of games in no. the last couple of years. He missed 12 games last year. He gets hurt in training camp. Who's to say he can stay healthy if you give him the ball? So I I think you wait wait to Dex screws up, and if he doesn't, he keeps the job. Yeah, but I don't. The one thing I I disagree with you is I I don't think you can look at it and say. Yeah, but Tony might get hurt again, you know. And I and and I agree with you, you know. And I said it over the off season a million times that yep. I predicted if any quarterback in this league is going to get hurt, I'm putting a chip on Romo. That I trust him yep. the least. And of course, that came to fruition. But I don't think you can hold it against them when you're making this decision that, that 
boy, there's a good chance he gets hurt again. Well, if he does, then he's put Prescott back in and all's well. You know, like, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I wouldn't factor that part into the equation. Okay, fair enough. But is there something about taking away Prescott's, I don't know what the word is, mojo, or progression, but just taking him out and sitting him down after when he's doing so well, could, could that mess up his rhythm when he does get a chance to get back in there? See, that's what... You and I will never know. And Jason Garrett, who has lunch with the kid every day and hangs out with him, and the quarterback coach and all those people in the building, they have to know that. And if they fear that, which would shock me because he seems like a very mentally tough kid, you know, and a hard worker and not an easy guy to get down, that all of a sudden his psyche would be shot. But if they think that's the case, well, then I think it makes the decision a lot easier that – Okay, well, we're going to leave Dak in there. We're going to build him up. You know, kind of like, the, and I'm not comparing to RG3 at all, but you remember how Hugh Jackson was like, RG3's our starter because he's so fragile and they just didn't want him to, you know, mentally crash. I don't know that Prescott would be in that situation, but if they fear it, then you just don't mess with the kid because he's too valuable of an asset right now for sure. Right, right. Uh, it, it, it's super interesting. It gets more interesting every week. It, it really does. I mean, Probably is this looking like maybe they trade Romo in the off season? Is this where this heading? You think? I think it's a possibility, and don't quote me on this. I'm certainly not a capologist, but I think because the way that they've you know maxed out their credit cards with his contract, that no matter what, they they're going to pay him a big chunk, and he's going to cost a big chunk on their salary cap next year, even if he's mm-hmm. traded. So I don't think there's a huge benefit that way. It's not like boy, we'll trade Romo to the Jets and we'll use that $12 million on a pass rusher. I mean, I think that he's, you know, you're paying him no matter what, so maybe he's just a great backup. I mean, but that's I, I don't the know the world he's sure. going to want to live in, is it? No, that, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, I mean, is he going to be thrilled with that? I wouldn't think so, you know, or is his body so banged up that he retires or is sort of told to retire. I mean, he's taking a beating and he's not young. I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. And you would think there's five, six, seven teams that could use Tony Romo. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, mean, I think maybe if, if if Arizona doesn't think that Carson Palmer hasn't left at all, and he's only four months older than Romo, maybe you make that switch out, you know, and say we have a couple-year window Super Bowl, let's go get it. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a few teams that – it makes sense. Maybe the Jets, you know, like you said. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Chicago. Houston would love to have Tony Romo than Brock Osweiler for the next couple of years, but they're not going to be able to make that happen. Oh, yeah, you know? that's a much better team with Romo. Yeah, yeah. But, anyways, okay, let's stay in Dallas one more. Um, with, how good can Elliott be? I mean, he's been spectacular. really has, and consistent – I mean, I think he's gone over 130 yards from scrimmage four straight weeks or something like that. Yep, too. the only rookie to do that. That's amazing. And only David Johnson has more yards from scrimmage. Very, very impressive. And he's fast, he's powerful, he's competitive, he's really good in the passing game. I don't think he's – you know, I think like Todd Gurley has a slightly higher ceiling or an Adrian Peterson – but I think he's an A prospect in terms of gifts, you know, athletic ability, ceiling, where Gurley might be like an A+. plus. But, I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs. And 
One thing that's interesting to me, and I'm just curious what you think about this, is I criticized the pick when it happened. Uh, you know, I basically said I would have taken Jalen Ramsey and taken Jordan Howard in the fourth round or whoever. You know, I mean, just mm-hmm. uh, God, Kenneth Dixon or, you know, taking some other back. But I'm curious, you know, if you gave Jerry Jones and Garrett Truth Serum, would they have taken Wentz, Bosa. Goff, or Bosa, who all went right ahead of them, all were big needs, you know, like, it, they're not that far off from being Goff behind center right now, handing the ball to Jordan Howard as opposed to Dak handing it to Zeke. Yeah, it, it, it worked out pretty well for him. I, I think that if Boza was on the was on the board, they probably would have taken him. I do, too. So where, would, where does uh, Elliot fall to? I mean, I know hindsight, but, you know, he's such a good player, it's worth the question, I think. How, where would he have felt you, I wonder? I mean, does a team like your Raiders move up and grab him? Yeah. Or the, the Miami? Yeah. You know, the Raiders drafted 14. He could have fell to 14, right? Right, right. I mean, there's not a lot. Obviously, running backs can fall quickly. Right. You know, I want to ask a question on him. You say he's an A prospect, and I, I don't. Excuse me for asking a question about a rookie and mentioning the Hall of Fame because I respect the Hall of Fame so much. But with running backs, we can kind of tell early in their career, and their careers are shorter than most other positions. So we could tell early if a guy does have that type of capability. Does he have Hall of Fame potential? Yes, and his supporting cast is is off the charts tremendous too. I mean, yeah. again, this is crazy talk, but... Right. The left tackle, the center, and Martin, the guard, all have Hall of Fame potential, too. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're elite offensive linemen that are very, very young, that if they do this together for the next 10, 12 years, will go down as one of the best offensive lines in history. Obviously, Witten isn't what he used to be, but he's going to the Hall of Fame. Um, Tony Romo has a shot to go to the Hall of Fame. And they've done all this without Des Bryant. We've even brought up Des Bryant's name. It's not even like you notice right. he's missing. And he's great. Right. Well, they better start winning some championships then because they haven't won a whole lot. I mean, under Jason Garrett, they've had one winning season, and and you're talking about all this Hall of Fame talent. So they better get it going. You know what I mean? Well, they are. I mean, they're doing pretty well. If I mean, let's let's see this. Let's see them win something in the next, you know, four or five years and cash in on this talent because. Witten's probably not going to do. Does Witten win a, a, a Super Bowl ring? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Yeah. But so, anyway. Okay, my question um, to you looking around the NFC, how many teams do you put above Dallas? I put Seattle above them, and I think Minnesota and Dallas are similar. And I put Atlanta above them. I, I would give Minnesota a slight edge over them, but I mean, certainly. Because that defense, just the Vikings seem like they have something special going on, and and the defense is so nasty right now. Um, but it, it's hard to go against Dallas, you know. And I, I do think Seattle's better. Uh, Dallas is better than Arizona right now, right? I mean, I, I still think Arizona gets it right. I agree that Arizona Dallas is a sleeping giant. Yeah, Green Bay. It doesn't seem like you know there's something missing there. And, you know, do you think Carolina's dead? I mean, they have to be, right? Yeah. They've gotten swept by their division. Yeah. A bad division. Bad division. Yeah. 
want to talk about this earlier, but we got rolling. Are you worried about Aaron Rodgers? That seems to be the narrative around the league right now. Um, I know there was Bob McGinn out of Milwaukee, longtime respected guy, wrote a story about him kind of taking a step back, and everybody kind of got excited this week, and then he had the bad game against the Cowboys. Are you worried about him? Are you worried about the system? Are you worried about his supporting cast? you worried about the coaching? What's the problem with Green Bay? I hate to say it because I'm the biggest Rodgers supporter in the world, but besides Dallas, I think they have the best offensive line in the league and maybe the best pass-protecting line in the league. The receivers are very good or you know, above average. I don't think Jordy's back to being the guy he was pre-injury. Eddie Lacy's run really well. So you look at the offense, and it only narrows it down to what else could be wrong. Well, scheme to some degree. And I do think McCarthy should be on somewhat of a hot seat because schematically I don't think he helps the, the passing game very much. And Rodgers is just flat out not playing well. You know, I mean, he's, he's an average starting quarterback right now. And I think he's going to be the, one of the best quarterbacks ever lived, but he's playing like an average quarterback right now. And, I mean, remember that Giants game? I mean, the whole world watched the, the Giants game, and he had like six seconds to throw. If you told me going into that game that you gave Aaron Rodgers four, five, six seconds to throw, I would think Green Bay scored 50 points. <laughs> you know, I mean, and they were just okay, you know, installed in the red zone. And um, he doesn't look comfortable He's missing open guys. You know, like, I almost wanted to come out that he's got a bad back or something. <laughs> like, yeah, something, that right. there's something behind the scenes as opposed to it's in his head because he very much looks like a slumping player who was an A-plus quarterback and now he's a B-minus guy. And could he get it back tomorrow? Absolute. So you think it, it probably is him? He used to be by far the greatest asset on that offense times a 1,000. And I'm not saying he's holding them back, but he's not an asset right now. Wow. How does that happen? I guess that's the, the, the next question. Yeah, and I, I, you, I wouldn't be sitting here chatting with you if I knew. You know, I mean, I'd be the quarterback yeah. whisperer yeah. of the world. I, I don't know. And I think some people, you know, and you and I have talked about this too, that you're around these players, and I think some people forget that they're human beings, that their kids get sick and their parents die, and they have to deal with real life, too, and we all just expect mm-hmm. them to go out there on Sunday with 300-pound maniacs coming after them and be fine. Well, sometimes there's other things, or, you know, they're clinically depressed or alcoholics or whatever. You know, they're, they're real people, and they have problems just right. like everybody listening. Right. Yeah, but you so you think he can salvage it being an alcoholic or and, having and, problems at home? I'm just saying that it could be something like that. Certainly, but you think it's this is not the end of his career as we 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 know it. He can salvage this. This could be just a a late prime slump. I bet when we look back at his career ten years from now, we go. Boy, that 2015-2016 season were the low points, you know, and. Maybe he gets in a new system or a new coach and revitalizes himself and is clearly the best quarterback in the league again. That wouldn't shock me at all. Maybe him and McCarthy get back to, you know, have a come-to-Jesus moment and they figure out the problem. And second half of the season, he's phenomenal. That wouldn't shock me at all. But I think we'll look back and say that was the lowest point, this 20-game stretch or so of his career. 
and Philip Rivers had that a few years ago. You know, yeah, he yeah. went through it. Carson Palmer did. I mean, they've all, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Hey, this just come to my head, and it's silly talk, but Josh McDaniels and, and Aaron Rodgers, if, they get, if they're getting sick of McCarthy, wouldn't be a better Maybe. situation than that for, for McDaniels. You know, and you mentioned Rivers, and it just kind of dawned on me, too, Roethlisberger, Eli to a lesser extent. But some of these guys, when they get to the age about that Aaron Rodgers did, you know, like when new coaching staff came to San Diego and they shortened the passing game tremendously and Haley came to Pittsburgh and Ben became much better at the line of scrimmage and started to rely on their head and timing and knowledge of the game less than I'm going to try to throw it through a wall. You know, that maybe that happens to Rodgers too where – Let's get back to a timing and rhythm more oriented and less sandlot football, playing on the you know playing with kids in the backyard type football, and let's get you back to fundamentals of the game and precision and you know the Brady Manning way of playing that we're seeing more from like Ben and Rivers, and that doesn't mean they don't make great throws and you know wow you still, but it might be that point of his career where it's time to say, let's try this a different way, you know, let's use our head first. But they say he's one of the brightest quarterbacks in the league. I mean, yeah. wouldn't you think he'd be up for that? Like, okay, this isn't working. Let's. And I don't think he's efficient in those areas either. You know, I mean, I think he's always been, and he never throws interceptions. I mean, but the rhythm and the get it out quick is not there in their passing game right now. You know, three-step drop, boom, slant, hit Cobb on a slant, let him go. You know, it just seems like he's holding the ball and holding the ball and – I don't know if he's not confident or doesn't trust those around him or if all the problems from last year is still weighing on him, you know, because he is not the same. He's not playing in rhythm. He doesn't look comfortable. Here's another guy that may be slumping a little, or let's just say doing a little less than we may have thought he'd be doing, and that's Todd Gurley. Um, he doesn't, he's not putting up huge numbers. Or any, any thoughts on that? Any, any solution for that? I think it's very simple, to be honest, that, I mean, they put a lot of draft picks into their offensive line. They're not panning out. It's one of the worst lines in the league. And any mind out there, I mean, you don't have to be an, an expert defense coordinator to figure out what would I do against the Rams' offense. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to stack the line of scrimmage. I'm going to put a million people right. in the box against Gurley. I don't think he's disappointing. I think his surroundings are highly disappointing. So you're not worried about him? No, I don't think. I think no matter who you, if you put Elliott in that same situation, it would look the same, or David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, that I don't think they would be doing much better. And Or if you put Gurley in Dallas right now, I bet he'd be leading the league in rush. Yeah. So they'll get that figured out at some point with him. But, but uh, maybe. his second year <laughs> may be getting wasted. Right now I think his some prime years are getting wasted. Hopefully, Goff turns into a guy, and they draft another offensive lineman or bring in somebody, and they get it fixed. But I can't say that I have extreme faith in Fisher for that all to happen. Right. Or, or Snead. You know, okay. I mean, I think I think they all got to go with the Rams, really. But yeah, that's another. It'd be story. great to bring a, a quarterback whisperer in there, and you know, Josh McDaniels or whoever. Right. Hey. We talked about the NFC's power teams. Um, where do you put the Falcons? How far can they go? 
I was exactly. really impressed what they did the last two weeks. Going out west, beating the Broncos in Denver, Denver's first loss, great defense. Then staying out west, I think they stayed out in Seattle, and went there and went blow for blow with the Seahawks, and, and, and you know, could have won that game had that penalty been called. I mean, a tough, tough two-game stretch, and they did not melt. Not at all, and I think they're a high-quality team. I think if they played Seattle, you know, seven times, Seattle wins five of them. I think yeah. Seattle's the best team in the NFC, and I think the best is yet to come for Seattle. You know, Jimmy Grant. I mean, they have a lot of good things going on there. Um, if you watch that game, you're right. They didn't crumble, and they did very little in the first half. But then Michael Bennett got hurt, and Seattle blew a coverage or two. Sherman uncharacteristically blue coverages. That doesn't happen very often against Seattle. Um, so they benefited a little from that. But Matt Ryan is playing at an MVP level. He's not turning the ball over. They can beat you any way they want. I still have questions about the defense, but it's a little better than I expected. You know, they have some young guys like Beasley and Keanu Neal and uh, Jarrett, the nose tackle, that are growing, you know. But uh, I wouldn't shock me if they saw Seattle again. But I look at Seattle almost like I look at New England and say, but, you know, they're Darth Vader. I mean, they're the big bad wolf. They're, they're, they've been there. They're total studs. Uh, I have I feel pretty confident saying Seattle's the best team in the NFC. Mm-hmm. And the NFC is way better than the AFC. Right, right. Wasn't your, was your Super Bowl team Seattle-New England? Probably not, but I wish I would have said that. <laughs> I might have. I, I know it I was... picked New England. I'm not sure who I picked in the, in the NFC. might have been yeah. Seattle. I was Seattle Pittsburgh, but yeah. yeah, I think you might have been Seattle. I think you might have been Seattle New England. Yeah, and the more I think about it, I can't think think of who else I would have put there. Yeah, um, are you surprised by how competitive the entire NFC East is, and, and kudos yes. to Washington for. I mean, we thought they were cooked at zero and two, and now they're four and two, and they had some challenges at zero and two. You know, there's whispers about teammates not digging. Cousins at all, and I mean, give the head coach some credit there, right? Absolutely, and I'm actually writing an article for a different site right now about that as we speak. Um, I think there's a little bit of, you know, uh, an aberration there because, in, in two things, I mean, they, they went 0 and 2 right off the bat. They lost to a really good Steelers team, you know, that was humming, and then they played the Cowboys really tight. So, at, when they were 0 and 2, and we were all looking at them like, ah, they're going to pick in the top 10, they stink. They probably were better than we thought. You know, losing a tight game to Dallas, there's no reason to hang your head on that. And then the next four were against much easier opponents. You know, the Giants and Cleveland and Philadelphia is not what they used to be. You know, but they're doing what they're doing. I mean, they're still going the right direction in a big way. And the key to me is I think they finally have built a, a plus offensive line. Trent Williams is a stud. Brandon Schreff is playing really well, Morgan Moses, and they're running the football. And they're, they're making Cousins' life much, much easier. You know, run the ball, play action, take deep shots, and they rush the passer well. You know, their, their, their run defense still needs work. It's not the sieve that we had thought it was going to be, but it still needs work. But the pass defense is much improved, and they can actually run the ball, which they weren't able to do at all last year. So I think they're very much going in the right direction Unfortunately, if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, 
it's rough. (laughs) So they still may end up 8-8, but I think it's a successful season for them. And then they have a huge, you know, decision to make again: is do you give Cousins 16 million to be Alex Smith, Andy Dalton with more turnovers, or do you, you know, go get Romo or Cutler or draft somebody? And you know, their quarterback situation is really interesting for the future. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, t- talking about quarterbacks that team may not be excited about was Osweiler, but they're stuck with him at $18 million a year. Did he show you anything coming back and leading that team uh, on Sunday night against the Colts, or are you just saying, oh, what was it? it was the Colts, and he's going to get his lights lit up against uh, Denver? I've never been a fan. I thought it was a bad decision, a bad business move to begin with, um, and I think the Colts' defense is really bad and will be – that forgiving to a lot of other teams, you know, they're just not very good on defense. But let's not, you know, overlook what happened. I mean, he was 14 of his last 16, made a couple of huge throws. The one to Fedorowicz was a great throw when it mattered most. You know, hit hit strong down the sideline in overtime. So uh, um, let's not say that he stinks. You know, that's where I'm at on him. You know, where I'm – I wasn't in his corner. I would not have signed him. I certainly wouldn't have given him those kinds of money. But like you said, he's going to be Houston's quarterback. Let's not just assume that after what? I mean, 10 career starts. And he only started like nine games in college, too, that that he's yeah. automatically a bum. You know, um, let's not jump to that conclusion quite yet. But I'm not a fan. I think the Broncos are going to come after him hard. Yeah, he's going to get hit a lot. That's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's finish the show uh, with a couple Bills topics. And you know, two Bills topics. We probably talked about the Bills twice all year, and that was probably about firing the offensive coordinator. Explain to me Lorenzo Alexander. These type of stories don't happen in the NFL. He has nine, he has, what, nine sacks, seven sacks in his first nine NFL year, seasons. Starts 16 games, three in the last five years, and now he's a starter in Buffalo, and he leads the league with eight sacks. That doesn't happen to 10-year journeyman guys, does it? No, and and really, his claim to fame before now was he's going to be your special teams captain. You know, he's going to be the core special teamer. That's why he's still in the league. Is you know he's going to be out there in all four phases and excel in all of them. And to his credit, he's gotten very good on special teams. That's why he's on a roster. I haven't Absolutely. studied every sack, and I need to look more into this guy, and I've been familiar with him over the years. I tend to think that a lot of it is scheme. You know, if you watch the Bills, Ryan has been very, very aggressive, you know, especially since week three, that he's coming after guys, you know, like he has in the past, you know, that he's blitzing from everywhere, a lot of difficult blitzes to decipher. A lot of times that he, you know, that he shows like they're blitzing and doesn't, and tricks quarterbacks into getting the ball out. Trusts his corners a great deal, and they're a very good secondary. Both their safeties are former corners, so everybody can cover. They're getting a lot out of guys like Zach Brown too. He's almost like a Lorenzo Alexander story, where he's just racking up tackles like crazy, where Alexander's racking up sacks. And Jerry Hughes is still a very good player. They've yet to get Darius back, you know, so he's just going to add to things. Um, 
you know, their first two picks are, you know, they were they used their first three picks on rebuilding the front seven, got a little bit out of Washington, but the first two guys are, are gone, and Lawson will come back at some point. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think you have to give Alexander credit, but I'm not going to say, you know, we started this, this conversation talking about where's Khalil Mack. Well, I mean, it's not like Alexander is a better football player than Khalil Mack all of a sudden. Oh, certainly not. Certainly right. Not. I mean, that's great. Right. I mean, it's it's the guy, you know, it's the 10-year vet who's had eight home runs and then he gets a starting job in San Diego and he hits 24 home runs. But still, it's like you weren't expecting it. It's still out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. And it really is only in there because of injuries. Like, I mean, I don't think no one – I mean, you can't tell me that Rex Ryan in, in training camp was like, boy, we're going to play Lorenzo Alexander a lot of snaps this year and we're excited about it. Right. Yeah, I covered him in Oakland last year, and I, he played. He played very little defense. He was special teams guy. That's why they brought yeah. him in. Yeah, and now he has as many sacks as the Raiders do through six games. So it's a funny game, and it's a funny game that we're talking about the Bills. And hey, Rex, maybe Rex should go right along with uh, Greg Roman. Rex has done a nice job here. You're talking about all the work the defense have done, has done under the challenge. Maybe Rex deserves some credit, and, and can this team go to the playoffs? I think they certainly can go to the playoffs. I don't think they're a very good team, and they've beaten. I mean, I think they're, I think they're a good team. I don't think that they're a contender. You know, like we mentioned, who could challenge the Patriots in the AFC? I don't think it's Buffalo, and I know that they beat them, and they're they have a rematch coming a week from now. Um, but the rest of the the rest of the conference is just so bad. Like, I mean, I look at the Bills and say they're way better than any team in the South. They're certainly much better than the Jets or Dolphins. They're better than any team in the North, with the exception of a Roethlisberger-led Steeler team, and they're probably right there with the Raiders, Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos. So, you know, it doesn't leave anybody else in the AFC. I right. mean, six right. teams have to go to the playoffs. But it's going to buy Rex more time there, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd be foolish to talk about firing him right now. I mean, I know he's yeah. a polarizing guy, but he's coaching his butt off right now. He's getting the most you possibly could out of that roster. And then with Sammy Watkins. Right. Yeah, I mean, they've had all kinds of challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, great show, Matt. I appreciate it. This is this week's No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, we will talk next Tuesday going into week eight. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thanks, man. This was fun.